Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. The recent approval of lecanemab for Alzheimer's, what it does, who can use it, and does it work? Alzheimer's has long eluded medical researchers trying to find treatments and cures for the disease. The skepticism surrounding a new experimental drug, lecanemab, is highlighting the flaws in Alzheimer's treatments and research. At first look, the experimental drug, which was recently given accelerated approval by the FDA, which is now available for the general public, seems to be all positive. This drug has has modest improvements in cognitive function of patients in the early stages of Alzheimer's, although it may not be helpful to many of the patients who already have progressed through the stages of Alzheimer's. In a clinical study cited by the FDA, the reduction in score on a clinical dementia scale that assesses mental functions such as memory, judgment, and problem solving was 27% lower and patients treated with lecanemab than in those receiving a placebo. The issues with these findings is that for patients in later stages of the disease, their caregivers and family members might be inclined to reach for the drug out of desperation or as a lifeline. However, experts have cautioned that the slowing of cognitive decline with lecanemab was a modest effect that might not be noticeable to patients. The result was statistically significant, but it is uncertain whether it's clinically meaningful. In other words, we can see the difference via statistics, but does it really do something clinically? Mm-hmm. So those are oftentimes two different things, right? And and that's important for us to recognize. So again, even though the drug was statistically altered the course of the disease, it's not clear that taking the medication will provide any noticeable improvement in the quality of life for the patient. This becomes an issue when the side effects of the drug are factored into the equation. It is possible that patients who receive the drug won't notice any improvements and will be exposed to dangerous side effects, including brain swelling and brain bleeds. Although these side effects were present in less than 15% of participants, they still represent a risk that needs to be factored into the decision to take the drug. And after all, 15% is almost one in six patients who experience these extreme side effects. I, I'm glad that the story ended with that because, you know, we would say, oh, it's just it's less than it's less than 15 percent. That's not that bad. One in six. Right. One in, and, and what if your family members one in the 15? Like, let's not let's not say, oh, it's just, you know, 15 percent. That's a high number. That's oh, would you high. would you would you allow a parent to take this medication? I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think so. I think, you know, Alzheimer's is is bad enough. I'm I'm not gonna risk brain swelling and brain bleeds yeah. on top of that, especially like if especially you're for such a modest a, a modest you know you know uh, yeah yeah 
and it may not even do anything. Yeah. You know? And especially if we catch it early enough there, you know, I've seen behavioral um, interventions that can be done to help. So like, let's, I want to exhaust everything that we can without having to try some drug that could potentially make things exponentially worse. Shortage of common cold drugs. A nationwide increase in COVID-19 cases, along with the flu and respiratory syncytial virus or RSV, has taken an especially heavy toll this winter. Schools and offices across the country have been disrupted and overwhelmed by these three respiratory illnesses arriving in concert. U.S. retailer sales of cough and cold medicine increased by 35% compared with a year ago during the period that sprays and laundresses were purchased at 56% increase. Top-selling browns are sold out at Amazon.com, CVS HealthCore, and Walgreens. Boots and Walgreens. Social media is being used by some consumers to report medication shortages. It has been difficult for some families to find acetaminophen or Tylenol and ibuprofen or Advil and Motrin for children. Children's Tylenol and children's Motrin manufacturer Johnson Johnson told the New York Times that there is no nationwide shortage, but increased demand means products may be less readily available at some stores. In addition to maximizing production capacity, the company began shipping products to retailers continuously. The early timing of the flu season might be contributing to the emptying of some shelves, catching manufacturers that work to anticipate demand off guard. One doctor stated that there's still inventory coming in. It's just a matter of being patient, something that is very difficult if you're a parent or a caregiver of a sick child. Exactly, yes. All of these factors make now a good time to prepare your medicine cabinet in case anyone gets sick with headaches, fevers, coughs, or runny and stuffy noses. For your medicines to work effectively, you should also check your medicine cabinet or safe storage space twice a year at least and throw out any of your expired drugs. That being said, we want to emphasize that we are not promoting buying more than you need. That's when we run into problems. We still have some time before we put the winter behind us, so it's important to keep an eye out for increase in respiratory infections, including flu and COVID-19 in your neighborhood. Many experts also suggest getting vaccinated and taking precautions before gathering with family and friends and masks and washing hands continually so as to be incredibly important at helping limit the spread of these infections in your community. Stay healthy out there. Um, so Dr. Derry, what do you think? I mean, I know at this point in time, there's probably still some people out there that have not gotten their flu shot yet. Um, is it too late to be thinking about that? I mean, or? it's late, but it, there's you never pass up an opportunity to give a flu shot ever. That's the theory. So it used to be that, oh, I was sick or the kids were sick at the time they had an upper respiratory infection. Don't give the flu shot. Give the flu shot. Always. Anytime there's an opportunity to give a flu shot, give a flu shot. There never should be a time that we should go without flu. So even it's late in the season, it's okay. Still get a flu shot because you still want to be priming your immune system. And that's something that we learned with COVID, how important it is to have the immune system primed and ready to go at all times. So even, um, even if 
And this year, the flu was a good match. The flu shot did a really good job of holding back the flu because it was a good match. But you still always want, remember, vaccines are like seatbelts. They don't prevent infection, but they prevent severity of, of infection. So you always want that protection on board. And if you are gathering with family and friends, I still think it's a good idea to get tested and I uh, for COVID, make sure everybody is, is negative. And I still think it's a good idea. Um, in some cases, I go to work, I mask, but I work in the healthcare system. So whenever I'm in hospitals or clinics, I'm masked, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I think these are still good ideas, uh, even though I am seeing less and less people masked. Uh, and I yeah. think that we want to see more. I think more and more people are like, COVID's behind us, but it's not really quite behind us. Not as much as I think people hope it to be. Right. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D R D E R Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your health care providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right.